Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of What We Think. It's Sara, and unfortunately today Mandira is not here, but we do have two incredible guests with me and one um, substitute, I don't know if I should call you a substitute, but a impromptu co-host. I'll let both of them introduce ourselves. We'll go with our impromptu co-host first. Um, Aisha, do you want to give yourself a little intro? Hi everyone, my name is Aisha. I'm a senior in high school and I'm here because, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Desi um, young woman who has like a special relationship with this and I'm really passionate about especially period education. Um, so when Sarah asked me to do this, I was really honored because this is um, a passion of mine to educate and learn more about um, women's, educa- women's health and education. Oh my gosh, Aisha, that's that's very nice of you to say it that way. I feel bad. I kind of dragged Aisha to do this a little bit, and um, I'm very happy that she was able to do it, but I'm excited. Um, hopefully, Madeira will be able to make it next time, but um, we have the same guest as we did last week. Adrija is here to join us and talk a little bit more about period poverty. Um, so if you guys don't remember Adrija from last week, she'll give you a little quick rundown. to be back again and today I think what we're going to talk about really confidence for going on in India because today we have the Saraswati Puja. It is a festival to celebrate the goddess of wisdom and learning, which is also why I'm wearing yellow, like a yellow outfit, so you can't see it because it's the colour of the goddess. Also there's a lot of celebration and festivities and shouting going on, so if you hear a little bit of background noise, I apologize for that. No worries, no worries. It'll be fun. We'll we'll get to hear and in, virtually enjoy a little bit of the festival. So no worries. All right, as usual, we're going to get first straight into some life updates. I'll go first and then you guys can give a little tidbit from your week as well. Um, well, it's only been, it's barely been a week since the last episode we recorded, so not too much has happened since then, but I will say, um, I don't know why, I don't even think there's, like, a major, like, holiday or sale coming up, but I've been noticing, like, there's, like, a bunch of websites that have, like, these clearance sales going on, and I feel very close to the edge of, like, jumping into, like, an online shopping black hole, and I'm very concerned for my bank account, honestly, I am. Sarah, that's so funny because like I'm kind of in the same situation and it started like with Black Friday mm-hmm. where I don't know if you've ever seen this show called Extreme Couponing. Oh my God. You know yes. of it? Yes, yes. I used For to these- watch that. I don't know why I found that in elementary school. I used to, oh my God. Adrija, you don't even understand. Some of these people, and it's mainly in the Midwest, they have like these huge coupon booklets and they go to these stores and they get everything for so cheap. And I... I want to be them. That sounds really interesting and it sounds like you are going to become heavy for your pockets. <laughs> oh yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Talking about my week, like, number one is more film festivals. Don't even talk about assignments. I'm so stressed about 
Ugh, the weekend is just, everything is piling up. I've, you know what? It's okay. It's, it's, a, it's a Friday night for us. It's a Saturday morning afternoon for you. I think we can allow ourselves some time to not think about all of our homework. Oh my gosh. Oh God. And it's the beginning of the weekend. So yes, know, exactly. We still have, we still have time. Yes, we still have time. It's yeah, we have until Monday, you guys. Everyone everyone needs to calm I'm telling myself this. We all need to calm down a little bit. I that will not be happening though. Alright, Aisha, what about you? Any life updates for you? I mean, not major life updates, but you know, within the week I like went skiing, <gasps> as Sarah oh knows. Gosh, yes. Had I a pretty that. had a pretty dramatic oh. fall and <laughs> bonked my head. And here I am a few days later uh, with a mild concussion. So it's okay, but, you know, things happen. (laughs) This is concussion number four. Oh, Oh my God. I'm so... I really do need to be more careful. And, you know, like every time you get a concussion, it's so much easier to to get another one. Oh, my God. Really? So... I think I just need to wear a helmet every <laughs> single day of my life. Yeah, I should. At this what point. You, even when you're sleeping, you need to go to bed wearing a helmet. I don't know what right, you're doing. Right, you never know what's going to happen. You and then roll off the bed and concussion number five. Yeah, I know. It could happen so easy. Oh my God, I should. What you, honestly, you're asking for this, not wearing a helmet to bed? I'm asking for it? Okay, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Concussion number five, maybe. Oh maybe my God. The Fing- will tell me. Maybe you're, oh I my just goodness. need to wear a bike helmet every day. Actually, no, yeah, that I'm... was my um, senior picture. <gasps> I had I wore a concussion helmet that you oh wear girls God. across. Yeah. Because that was number three. Now I'm number four. Oh my god. So now I actually have to start wearing it. It's not just a for a picture. A concussion helmet. It's not just for. Oh my goodness. Well, I hope that you remain concussionless for the rest of your life because that sounds very painful. But I totally forgot I went skiing with you. Oh my goodness. That was very. That was a very interesting experience. And you saw me fall, Sarah. And yes. Everything. And I thought you were okay because you were like, "That was so fun. I want to do it again." Yeah. And it was, but then here we are. Okay. We're getting a bit off topic, but yes. Oh my gosh! Yes, if you ever come, if you're ever able to, who knows what the future holds for you, Adrija? But if you're ever able to visit, I would highly recommend going somewhere where it snows. There's a bunch of places with artificial snow also, and try skiing. It's not as hard as people make it out to be. So do not be afraid. We'll see. We'll, when, in the future, I feel like it can happen. You're, you're, you're very much girl bossing it, so I believe in you. Uh, before we start talking about period poverty, I thought we should start off by talking more about our own personal experience, um, our own personal experiences, because it all in the end relates to period poverty. Before we get to discussing period poverty, I'll give it a quick um, overall brief uh, definition. Generally, period poverty refers to the lack of access to menstrual products, um, education about menstruation, hygiene facilities, and waste management. And everything that creates period poverty goes far beyond, you know, just not having enough money or coming from a poor socioeconomic background. A lot of it is deep rooted in this, you know, this sense of the subject being taboo or, you know, getting your period or menstruating is something to be ashamed of. Um, And so that is something that I really do want to get into talking about today. 
And I think one of the, um, and most like the best, more, uh, a more personal segue for us is kind of talking about how did you find out about periods and, um, how, or do you talk about periods at all? Like among your friends or among your family or at school, like in that context, but like, let's start off with how did you find out about your periods and how did that go for you? I got my periods when I was in grade 5. But I had no idea, absolutely no idea what it was. Till then, I had come across a few sanitary napkins at home. But Mm -hmm. whenever I asked, neither my mother nor my grandmother were even a bit willing to tell me what it actually was. They would just smile in a secretive manner which made me wonder like what was the use of that actually. Mm -hmm. So when I got my periods in grade Mm 5, one of my friends told me that you know, it is all the dirt in your body that comes out to that. And I kept thinking that I had some kind of serious internal bleeding and I was going to die with a Oh my god. I had absolutely no idea what was going on. Then, three years later, in grade 8, finally, in a biology book, we had an entire description about the human reproductive system and what goes on and everything. Uh-huh. And at that time, I came to know that it has got nothing to do with dirt and it has got nothing to do with the disease but it is a very simple bodily phenomenon just like breathing or yeah. just like digesting and that was like this great revelation for me and even after I came to know nobody was willing to talk about it at home still then so that was the point I understood that you know something has to be done about mm-hmm. it what about you all let's talk about your wow that's that, like that's a quite an amazing story I mean the way it just changed with the education mm-hmm. um for me I think um the first time that I was ever educated about periods and I was this actually like I was very fortunate to learn about it um in school in a school setting um in fifth grade you know they had like a puberty night at my school and at oh, that point fifth grade night. very fancy mm-hmm, a puberty night I know um at that point I hadn't started my period I started my period um about the end of eighth grade so I had spent a majority of middle school not personally knowing what it is but I mm-hmm. obviously like knew of um you know women's bodily functions and I was fortunate enough to understand that um is just a natural thing that all women go through everyone with the uterus goes through um so you know in these puberty nights they would just talk about um Mm -hmm. how to what to expect when you have a period and I think the aim was they talked about in fifth grade Mm -hmm. so that people you know who get their period later in middle school are already educated about it Mm -hmm. so that they're not learning about it after it happens and then, you know, there was obviously like health classes in high school, um, you know, one semester, sophomore year, mm-hmm. where you learn a little bit um, more in depth about both, you know, women and men's body, not specifically just about periods. But yeah, that's basically the majority of my information through high school. Um, and then, you know, I had my mom, I don't have any um, female siblings, I just have a brother. Um, so a lot of the information that I know about periods personally comes from my mom Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really fortunate to grow up with somebody who's really understanding about um, periods not having to be taboo and Mm -hmm. that it's okay to talk about periods um, and it's okay for you know the men in our households to know we're on our periods (laughs) and not have to keep that a secret from them. 
Um, so yeah, sorry if you wanted to add more to that. Yeah, I think that's like a really important, like for me to, like I thought it was very interesting. I think here what they try to do is they do like health classes starting like pretty young and then like gradually as you get older they incorporate more and more um into them so like it'll start off with right like, uh like just like basic like hygiene and then it starts building as like I, with like age appropriate information but um yeah for me I actually have zero clue I'm trying to remember like I <laughs> I think my earliest memory is like I remember like there would be like tampons at home and then I remember seeing like when I was like in elementary school when I was like really little I would just see them like under the sink and I would always be like what are those and I thought they right were, like, you would be art so confused or something. yeah it no I, so I literally had the exact same experience so because yeah. my um middle school was also a high school Mm -hmm. like it was fifth through 12th grade so like you know there would be feminine products and when I was like 11 years old I had no idea like I knew what pads were kind of but then tampons were like a whole other like what is this stick thing like why is in the girls bathroom why isn't any bathroom I had no idea yeah uh, so I think it's very Mm-hmm, 
Wow. No, and that reminds me of like my mom told me a story because well my mom mainly she was she grew up in the Middle East and then she moved to Canada, but there was a couple years where she lived in India, like in southern India, so like in Bangalore. And so she went to high school actually, I think for one or two years. And one of her classmates, I remember my mom telling me this was that they would when she was on her period, they would have like separate utensils and eating like like plates and cups and forks and everything and like and so she and she would eat separately from her family and sleep separately from her family for like basically she was like shunned the entire time she was on her period and I like the first time I heard this I was like maybe like 12 or 13 and I was like kind I was so like scared I was like if I go to India, is that gonna happen to me too? But obviously that that didn't happen. It's not like that everywhere. But, you know, and that was like when my mom was a teenager. So that was like in the 90s, which is, or like eight or late 80s, early 90s, which is not, if you think about it, it's not that long ago. Right, and that kind of behavior makes women afraid of... Uh-huh periods like themselves you know like something normal that's going to happen to them Mm -hmm. for so many years of their lives every month like that kind of treatment and behavior treating women like they're some sort of different species while Mm -hmm. they're just menstruating um just makes women feel that that periods are like they should be afraid every single time they begin to menstruate Mm -hmm. or they should be embarrassed of something that they have literally zero control over exactly yeah and you know the dichotomy i should call it a hypocrisy Uh is that women are on their periods and menstruators are off their periods yeah they will be called impure Uh but if they do not get their period if somebody who has been assigned female at birth that person does not get their period they will still be called impure because, you know, they do not have the ability of childbearing. So they are automatically labeled as impure. I, there's no, yeah. You are impure. You don't have it, you're still impure. Yeah, there's, there's no winning. I, you're so right. I, and, yeah, and then if you, it's, it's really frustrating. And one of the things that I also wanted to talk about is because, um, Adrija, you were talking about your experiences like living in India and then we were talking about it and I think like we both come from a little bit more like progressive households but I know a lot of my Desi friends Desi American friends even and I'm I'm sure Aisha also has some stories like like it even in other households they don't mention like that they're on their period to any like men in their family they'll like just kind of be like very quiet or subtle about it and um, I think a couple years ago, or like maybe last year, I beca- I started becoming more adamant about make- making this normalized in my house. And thankfully, uh, so like I started, <laughs> I started saying that like you know I'm in my, I'm on my period or I'm PMSing in front of my dad, because um, he's like the only guy in our house. But um, and my I remember it was very interesting because I would imagine because my sisters are younger than me that they would be more influenced by like the Western culture around us. But when I would do that, their eyes would always be like go wide and be, and they would always like tell me after like, "Why are you telling him this? This is so weird." And I'm just like, "But why do you think it's weird? Like you wouldn't hesitate to tell your dad that like you're feeling sick." even though like you're not feeling sick when you're in period but like it's the same thing if something is happening to your body you want to tell your 
you you're gonna tell people who you trust like how is this any different so I found that very like it's so deep-rooted I just found that very interesting right and I think you know in my household well you know like I've heard stories of um my Desi friends who you know their parents will tell them to like make a point to like hide the wrappers of their you know menstrual products really well so that nobody sees them which is like okay you know on one hand you know that's a hygiene thing you don't you wouldn't want to leave like dirty toilet paper in the toilet you know um um but you know on, on another hand I think you need to be careful about saying stuff that's going to influence your kids into thinking that you need to hide something that's just happening to you for the purposes of catering to the men in your house Mm -hmm. um but another thing you know like I have an older brother and I've Mm -hmm. kind of tried to make it a point to not try to hide the fact that you know I'm on my period I won't obviously Mm -hmm. like go out of my way if it's not necessary you know (laughs) um but you know there's another point in like you know for Muslims we don't um fast if we're on our period yeah um and you know like sometimes a lot of people are turned off from the idea of like mentioning that to people or like you have to hide if you're going to be eating during Ramadan if you're on your period because you don't want you know any of the men in your house to know that you know you're on your period and you're not fasting so you know I've heard stories of people saying they're like they have to quickly like shove all the food in their mouth and go back up to their room so that their brother or their dad doesn't know because that's just not something acceptable to say in their household that they just can't um, fast because they're on their period Um, so you know with my brother I've tried to make it a point to be like you know I'm not fasting because I'm on my period and you know educating men is another step to make them more comfortable with the idea that you know women menstruate that's a thing that has happened since the beginning of time yeah and that is 100% normal so you know when they um you know are interacting with all the women in their lives they're not going to see that as taboo either yeah that's a that's a really good and that kind of brings me to another kind of question I had is like how much it's not really a question but I said like and it's very interesting to think about is like how much do you think that like guys around you I guess I'll start with Adrija know about periods if they know anything about them at all Mm-hmm. So I was there to talk to them about it and they did not go to the same thing that I did. But there is still a lot that needs to be done. And I think that's 
threaten to write any threat to society. As you know, even now in India, there is no recognition or very less recognition of the LGBTQIA plus community, right? Yeah. So it has always been there is only men advocates, just to that's a really good point because like that makes me think about how period products are only in like if period products exist in bathrooms like in public restrooms um you know they're only in women's restrooms and not in men's restrooms when they could be Mm -hmm. um or any like all gender restrooms you know like who does that limit access to especially um people who menstruate who aren't going to use the women's restroom and need period products at that moment won't have access to get them especially if they don't feel comfortable you know going into Mm -hmm. a store to buy products and they need to rely on the ones um accessible accessible to them free in public restrooms they won't have access to that and actually that brings me to another good point i'm talking about um hygiene products accessibility i know they're called they're called generally a fear referred to as like i'll say like menstruating uh hygiene products to be instead of feminine hygiene products um what do we so i don't know what the situation is in india i did a little bit of research and i know that getting like your hands on tampons and pads especially in more rural communities is more difficult um but I know at least here, there's something that is very commonly referred to as pink tax, which is where um, like menstrual hygiene products are, they are, they are taxed or you have to pay a significantly more. Uh, they're like, so basically they're non-tax free, like most essential supplies in America, like, like basic food supplies are non-tax. There's no tax on them, but on hygiene, uh, menstrual hygiene products, there are, which, um, we did an episode, actually, Mandir and I did an episode about this way back. And it's just really frustrating to see that in 2022, a lot of states still don't consider these products that are necessary for people to just carry on with their day as like just necessities. Um, And then I want to get to the point about the in school, but what about in just like in general access to hygiene, menstrual hygiene products? So even over here, these products are not all considered a necessity. I know that in the US there are schools where you have these products available to use, but in India, most schools do not have them. They do not have them in the washrooms, 
and if you are absolutely in need of uh, say sanitary napkin in school you will have to purchase it from the infirmary say double of what it would cost outside oh so my gosh you have to purchase one one sanitary napkin out of a packet of six you will have to pay 5 to 7 rupees so the packet itself costs about 25 rupees that is the situation and it is not at all easily available as you said especially to the rural communities Uh, they do not think that it is something that is important. They would rather spend the money on something else than have the people who get to it use strips of cloth and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, there is not greater acceptance of tampons in India. Still, now great majority of people prefer using sanitary napkins as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's very difficult. These products are sometimes very highly priced and not at all possible for common people to access easily. Especially if there are a lot of menstruators in the family and you. Buy a lot of products. Mm-hmm. so interesting i never thought about like the impact because covid19 truly aspect like impacted every aspect of our lives but i never thought about how it impacted you know menstrual awareness aisha you were gonna say something too yeah i was just gonna say you know talking about the lack of like accessibility to menstrual products like even this pink tax seems mm-hmm. so absurd but you know just the fact that you have to pay so much money for just a basic necessity mm-hmm. which you know we pay so much money for basic necessities but it's just something completely out of menstruating people's control that you have to in India pay upwards of you know 25 rupees to get your hands on just one right one pad one like maybe one packet of sanitary products um you know it's just capitalizing off of something that happens to people that yeah. we have absolutely no control over. And one thing that I found very interesting like yeah and good point like the it capitalizing like wow people will try to make money off of ever, anything it is so even it's so annoying but um 
what I wanted to talk about, like kind of shifting, we talked about access to period products um, in greater society. Now talking specifically about period products um, in schools, I want to say that in the United States in 2021, only five states required schools to provide free menstrual products. Did you know that in 2021? That's profound. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. And so even and so like in our own state, so Aisha and I are both from Washington state and our our state very recently in 2021 just passed a a um, bill or a, now it's a law to provide that schools must provide menstrual hygiene products in all gender neutral and female bathrooms by the beginning of the 2022-2023 school year. So this upcoming school year it will be required. And actually I can speak in my own experience like at my own high school there was um so menstrual hygiene products they would only be accessible um uh, we so i'm from a more progressive school district i live in a like a more liberal area which is why we had even access to them in um our in our what is it called the nurse's office but what we but there were no um like disp what are they called Dis dispensers for yeah dispensers yes for the menstrual products in the actual bathrooms that was actually a project started by a girl a student at the school so if the student had not done anything about it and like her, she herself was physically refilling all of the bathrooms with the period products then this would not have happened which i find i just so ridiculous like why are why are band-aids and like now masks like everyone has them but something that has been forever happening people are just not ready to do anything about it I just yeah yeah and it's quite like it's quite sad my school um had dispensers but they cost 25 cents oh my god to get anything just like 25 cents for a tampon or 25 cents for a pad i think starting in about 2018 mm -hmm. they stopped doing that completely and replaced all of the dispensers in all of the bathrooms um so both like the men and women's and all gender bathrooms at my school with free dispensers dispensing pads and tampons that they refill okay. every day which is just I'm so glad they did that and that was actually um the reason that that happened is because my school has what's called the we call it the over like period chapter mm -hmm. um where these girls started this club to spread awareness about, um, you know, menstruating people at our school, helping them out, um, as well as spreading awareness from the community to our community and vice versa. Um, so yeah, she really pushed for that effort to get free menstrual products uh, in every single bathroom on campus. And, you know, her efforts paid off and every single person at our school is so thankful for that. That's awesome. Uh, so the problem in India is, first of all, there are no or very little gender-neutral bathrooms, okay? So it's like bathrooms are even female and male. Yeah, so here too. And second is, in no bathrooms are there, like, period products. Uh -huh. Like you're talking about dispensaries for every single washroom yeah. not seen in India. Wow. So, you know, you have to buy it. And that also depends upon, that is also subjective about, you know, if it is at all available at your school at work, school or not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, somebody who does not identify as a female and who still menstruates, 
might find it very uncomfortable to have to go and ask for it, especially if they know that they will be judged for it. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that the government can play a very important role over here because there are a lot of industries that are subsidized. We don't talk about fertilizer industry, mm-hmm. many others, but this is so important. Menstrual hygiene is so important, but there has been little to no efforts taken from the side of the government to further this cause. Mm-hmm. I think that what they should do urgently is to subsidize the period products. Manufacturing industries that they can offer these products at a much lesser cost, and then the access can increase. And the government at the same time should also support campaigns that are undertaken by NGOs and start their own programs as well. So I think right now is the point when government involvement is urgently required when oh, it comes absolutely. to menstrual hygiene and giving access to period products. Absolutely. And then on the track about like, you know, being embarrassed about even asking for those period products, I wanted to bring up another statistic because um, I think I understood that in a lot of other countries, especially more developing countries, um, that access like I would hear more like the terms of period poverty or a period inequity being thrown around, but I did not realize how big of an issue this was in my in America, where I thought that this was pretty standard. But um, a lot to go with it that like so like just a global fact. First off, like a 2014 UNESCO report found that one in ten menstruating youth miss school during their menstrual cycle due to lack of access to menstrual products and resources, which we already talked about. But in America, in a national survey, they found that one in five students struggle to afford period products. And out of that, out of that portion of students, it are more than 80% of them missed or knew somebody uh, or knew somebody who missed school because they did not have access to period products. And so then they just stayed home because they're embarrassed to go to school. And I had... Which is just... In a, here, I was so taken aback. I it was really it was a slap just in you know it, it really goes to show how like you're putting some some petty thing over people's education, like people missing school over like you know struggling with their period mm-hmm. is just so it's so dystopian and it shouldn't be the case, but it, but you know, it is. And that's obviously on so many different like parts, you know, education, um, you know, no access to, to products. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it doesn't seem, (laughs) that doesn't seem real. Like we are in 2022 and that's not, I don't understand how we're at this. We're still at this point. It is something that's very, very common in India. Like, I, I know many of my friends when we had physical school, many of them would miss, miss classes because they were on their periods. Mostly because they were uncomfortable coming to school or because they would have cramps or, mm-hmm. you know, they were not allowed, some of them, to come oh, to wow. school. This is, I think, three to four years back. But, you know, hearing about something like this, like in more developed countries, that is something, it, it is really surprising. I think that is that might also be because we have very inbuilt impressions of how some how a society is. Yes. So, like, we sort of 
tend to divide like if it is us you know nothing can be like this over there yes. everything needs to be perfect and if it is something like india everything needs to be on the war side of things but everything is not that black and white there exactly. is gray everywhere that is also something that we need to recognize absolutely which is why i really like doing this conversation with you because you know there were a lot of things that we had contrasting but there's some things that i was like kind of blown cuz otherwise you're never you're always going to put stunning things on a pedestal or think more highly of like where you come from even if it's subconsciously and you're not going to realize that the human experience and the experiences of people in other places is so much more similar to what you, to what you to what you experience oh my gosh english um and i wanted to uh if uh, really ask a question which is it's a bit difficult and i think we might have discussed this a little bit but like why do you think that there is this stigma or culture shame we've talked about that this is like the root of period poverty and why this like this problem one of the reasons this problems become so exacerbated but what do you think really perpetrates this stigma or cultural shame really insightful you know like it's completely just this cycle taught to our relatives and like our ancestors like generation to generation um and you know education is the only way that that is able to you mm-hmm. know that 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 cycle is able to break yeah and i wanted to add that this cycle and specifically um the stigma surrounding it is far more concentrated and impacts um people on a lower social um was it social economic demographic far more than it does pe- uh, people who are um 
more educated or come from more middle class or upper class backgrounds because things like inequity and disadvantages are systemic and they build up and from the people who are more likely at least in america and i'm guessing that it must be the same in india too that people who are more less like to, less likely to be able to afford menstrual products are going to be those who are um who are on a lower you know are who are le- better in a less lower low. like yes lower socioeconomic socioeconomic class yes why can I not English today? Thank you, Aisha. <laughs> um, and because of that, they'll miss school. And already because of their, their schools in their area might not be as well-equipped or not have the resources that they might need. And because of that, and it it just it keeps on building and building. And adding in, you know, um, Adrija, you were talking about the um, impact COVID-19 had on period poverty. Um, I remember now reading an article about this that a lot of students, especially those who could not afford uh, menstrual products on their own, depended on the menstrual products provided by their schools to, um, you know, for to provide for them or to help them during their periods and counted on them to be able to attend school. So when they didn't have, when they lost that access to it, they were kind of just stuck at home um, and weren't able to really engage with the world during COVID in like the limited ways that they already could further like putting them back and it just it's it's hard yeah yeah like normally you cannot in India that your school is finance period products for you because that is not something that happens you either depend on yourself to get access to it your family or Mm -hmm. you just do without them so you just use cross that yeah. It's yeah. I think it's very interesting. The cycle will just like repeat itself yeah, and continue. very interesting it actually reminds me of like when we were when you were I uh when you brought brought up this topic Adrija for us to discuss it reminded me of like this movie I didn't want my mom was watching and it was it's a it was a Bollywood movie but it's not actually it's not like a typical Bollywood movie it was called Padman and I thought it was very interesting because it was it had a a pretty what is his name Akshay Kumar um he was and I just found it very interesting and the whole thing was about him being like this guy who manufactures 
more affordable menstrual products. I don't know if it was based on a true story, but I thought it was, I just think it's very interesting to see like there's popular popular culture in some form is moving towards making, as you said, you know, menstrual education or menstrual awareness uh, more common. But like concrete steps is a lot harder to take. So generally like, and I think we kind of started off with this, um, you said like in terms of education so yes thank you guys so both so much for joining me and we're very we're just gonna do our final conclusion wrapping up about um about everything it's I feel like similar to last week's episode about mental health it's just one of those really big problems where it seems a lot more difficult to make concrete or make change on your own. I know at least um, in my case, I think I am my main goal that I've been kind of slowly working towards is just making talking, just talking about periods, at least in the desi, um, so those desi circles that my family runs in um, around me, the desi American circles, just make it a little bit more normalized, even if people are gonna look at me like I've grown a second head. I think I'm still gonna say like, I'm PMSing right now and just see all of the aunties like do a double take and honestly, bring it on. That is my goal. Right, and norm- mm-hmm. yeah, normalize that talk so that, you know, even if you're looked at weird, you know, other girls, maybe younger girls or anybody who menstruates will look at you and be like, wow, like she's so comfortable mm-hmm. talking about that. Like it makes, you know, them feel that they can do the same thing because it's not something um, to have to hide to anybody. Because, you know, even when you're talking about it with other, you know, other people who menstruate, um, it shouldn't be something that, you know, other people look at as embarrassing to speak about if they're also menstruating as well. So again, like that normalization um, and breaking that stigma is the most important thing. Like, I'm so glad we're having this conversation too, because it brings us all our different perspectives into how we've, you know, been able to talk about it with our Mm -hmm. own families and our own communities. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Aisha, thank you so much for joining me. Um, This was really awesome. Thank you for being my substitute co-host. You were a very excellent one. Absolutely. And I'm so glad to be having this conversation. I'm so glad to be here, Sarah. Thank you. Oh my gosh. All right. And Adrija, do you have anything to add? Uh, Yes. I agree with what you said. It is lovely to hear that you start doing something.
Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, <sighs> this has waited for way too long, I definitely think. And, you know, just like talking about like with your friends, as Adrida was saying, you know, like making a, like making comments about, oh my gosh, your cramps or, oh my gosh, my period's coming up. Just like very casual comments that like make it very common are very good to do. Um, yeah, Aisha? Yeah, it's all about, you know, breaking that cycle and breaking that cycle of stigma to, you know, uh, allow future generations to be able to be comfortable with this mm-hmm. and to be able to understand that menstruation is not something um, needed to be hid from anybody. You know, every, half of the population menstruates um, and has been for the beginning of time, mm-hmm. you know, at this point. It should be 100% okay to speak about menstruation in any sort of capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys all so much for joining me. And um, Adrija, it was very nice to meet you. Sorry, I mean, meet you again since last week. It was very nice to have another conversation with you. Um, Thank you. It was so fun to talk to you too. Thank you so much. And thank you guys all. Make sure, hopefully, if you stuck to the very end of this episode, thank you so much for listening and supporting us. We will be back hopefully sooner rather than later with another episode. If you have any questions or any of your own stories about periods or anything else, um, DM us at what we think podcast on Instagram. Mandira and I are very active on our Instagram and the rest of our staff is too. So we are always welcome to share your stories and and we want to hear your stories. And if you have an organization that you want to promote, that's amazing. But we want to hear about you as an individual. We're here to tell the world what we as a youth think. So thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you very soon. Bye guys. Bye.